Eluvio helped Warner Brothers allow Superman superfans to own an exclusive, extensible multimedia experience of the movie. Eluvio's CEO explains how it works and the inherent efficiency of the approach. This is Endscreen Noise. My name is Colin Dixon, founder and chief analyst at Endscreen Media, and today is June 29th, 2023. Movie super fans love to go deep into the object of their passion and own something unique relating to that movie. In the past, they could express their interest by purchasing limited edition DVDs with the director's cuts narration and outtakes. They could also buy merchandise like movie purse posters, t-shirts and action figures. Companies like Disney leaned into this behavior by creating artificial scarcity by offering VHS tapes and DVDs of beloved movies for a limited time. In the digital world, however, it's been harder to replicate the approach. People can certainly buy digital movies but owning a limited edition movie experience that they can also resell has been difficult to replicate. And bundling the movie with digital collectibles has been extraordinarily difficult to execute. Well, the digital world has finally caught up and surpassed the physical world courtesy of Web3 technology from the Alluvio content fabric. The release of the Superman Web 3 movie experience on June 9th allowed the fans of the 1978 movie to own a unique expression of the classic film. And I interviewed Alluvio co-founder and CEO Michelle Munson about the release and its unique power to engage and extend the relationship with fans of the movie and do it in an ultra-efficient way. But first... Endscreen Media is partly supported by its sponsors, and we've had some great ones in the past, including Grossnote, Verizon, TiVo, Metrological, and many others. If you'd like to become a sponsor and help keep the lights on here at Endscreen Media, email sales at endscreenmedia.com. Now, there are many benefits to being a sponsor, including being acknowledged in the po- in this podcast and being able to run banners on the site to tell people about your presence at conferences, new white papers, etc. So why don't you reach out to your marketing department and see if they would like to sponsor Endscreen Media. Now, back to the podcast. So Alluvio helped Warner Brothers Home Entertainment release two versions of this Superman Web 3 movie experience. The first was the standard edition, which included uh, Superman the movie theatrical version, previously released special features and an image gallery with stills and behind the scenes pictures for $30. The premium edition included everything in the standard edition plus directors and extended TV cuts of the movie and a more extensive image gallery. The edition came in three separately available variations, Truth, Justice and Hope, with a rendering of Christopher Reeves as the, as Superman by one of three DC artists and it cost $100. Both editions included access to the video in 4K HDR resolution and that movie was accessed via a dynamic menu 
based on the iconic locations from the film, like Superman's Ice Palace and Lex Luthor's Lair. And as I mentioned at the top of this podcast, owners can sell the experience in a community marketplace. There was one other thing that came with the purchase. So DC3 is an NFT-based digital comic book collectible store that started up last year. As part of the Superman Web 3 movie experience, purchasers also received a voucher code for one of three randomly selected DC3 Superpower Pack series Superman comics from the DC NFT marketplace. And Warner Brothers created scarcity by tightly constraining the availability of each edition. And I mean tight. The standard edition was available for one week, starting on June 9th and ending on June 16th. The premium edition was available only for 24 hours from June 9th to June 10th, unless you were an existing Warner Brothers NFT owner. And they got access on June 8th. For example, DC Batcow NFT owners could purchase either edition starting at 8 a.m. on June 8th. DC 3 holders got access at 11 a.m. And people that had purchased Illuvio and Warner Brothers previous Web 3 movie experience for The Lord of the Rings, they got access at 2 p.m. Okay, so now you understand what Warner Brothers and Alluvio delivered. Let's get on with the interview with Michelle Munson, co-founder and CEO of Alluvio. Uh, hi, Michelle. Welcome. I am so excited to talk to you about what you're doing with Warner Brothers and with Superman and establishing this direct connection with the fans. So tell us a little bit about, about this extensible platform that's way more than a limited edition DVD. Oh, well, thank you so much. Great to be here, Colin. So uh, the Web3 Living Movie concept is is, is all um, uh, credit to WB and their creative teams. Um, the Alluvio content fabric as a platform enables the, the format um, to be both a couple of things. I think, first of all, a new digital way that fans and super fans can own and engage with a given movie and all of its related content, such as um, uh, the exclusive video that was used to make it sometimes some of the uh the um, uh, test scenes for example some of the unreleased scenes and content the galleries images the costumes in the case of superman it's also uh, new interactive experiences that have been built to go together with that whole bundle and then um one other sort of nouveau facet of this that's really exploiting our technology is the fact that the um audience actually owns what they um, are um, collecting uh, or receiving. Um, this is actually back through blockchain contracts and a blockchain token ownership that um, the user's wallet holds that entitles that user to the exclusive access to that content. It's also a great way to create a, a, an evolving experience. Each of these movie bundles with all of their content has been changed on the fly over the time that the users had, um, you know, had the Web3 movie um, this was done with Lord of the Rings on the anniversary, and um, there is a upcoming uh, um, update to Superman. Um, I can't say exactly when, but uh, it is imminent. And um, I think what that really underscores isn't just adding things or changing the experience of the movie, but really being able to create an evolving story with the, 
at owning fan. Um, also, the fans can uh, retrade in these. That's something that the publisher can decide to uh, allow or not, depending on the the goals of the project. The Web three movies are tradable as a as a unit, um, and then follow on owners um, can have all of the rights or lesser rights. One of the great new features in this was the um, ability to have a, a special offer from DC Comics, uh, which fans could claim. That um, claim itself was unique to that wallet. Uh, it was also backed um, through an automatic transaction uh, in the uh, Alluvia blockchain platform so that a fan could choose to make that redemption and before they sell it um, or go ahead and sell the, the, the bundle without having chosen to make that redemption themselves. Uh, and you can see kind of a life cycle of these kinds of um, experiences that are more than just a digital collectible. Um, also, I think that people just get into it as fans do and and really um, comment upon what it's like. Um, so, you know, credit to the creatives. Last thing I would say is being a technology platform providing um, uh, the delivery, the storage, the dynamic serving, the tokenization. I mean, it's it's a... First of all, it's a very rewarding uh, position to get to help make that possible. The other is that it really presses the full uh, capabilities of what uh, the content fabric is built for. One of the things I love about that is the fact that Warner Brothers working with you has created uh, scarcity value. They've, they've, when you, you mentioned the comic, they have three versions of the comic and you assigned that version at random. And what, you know, there's, there's a sort of common, rare and very rare comic that they can get. So this, this creates an element of, of, of rarity and scarcity that I think really, really probably engages the, uh, the audience a lot more than if they just all got the same thing. It does. And I think there's really two sides to this that go beyond sort of just the what I would say is a little more of the hyped sort of NFT scarcity. There's this overall idea that you can make that um, digital version special or unique to that user. Also with the technology, you can really make that in this day and age, I think people like it algorithmic. So you can guarantee uh, through the data model behind that, the, the scarcity metric. Um, and then one other great thing about the digital environment to what you said is that especially with, the way the fabric works is that that scarcity can also tie to, um, I guess, if you will, special privilege or unique content, for example. And you can have those two parts, um, that exclusivity dovetail with the creative side. So that um, a great example in Superman, there were truth, justice and hope illustrations. That's right. Were actually, and, and I, I didn't even going into this appreciate how great this these were going to be because they were literally hand drawn illustrations from um, current artists. And as the illustrations came in and they were being published into the you know fabric to be in these bundles, you you could see that this was really custom work that these three individuals had done. And there was a, a limited, in this case, a limited time period to purchase those. In other cases, there's a limited supply of those. But what it does mean is that there's an artist who um, has a close tie to the Superman property who took care to make that digital image as artwork and then that ended up being in only some of these bundles and the user could decide which of those they wish to you know vote with their uh, purchase on 
the the thing that I feel is so special about this is that the creative part is wide open. It's not limited to just one type of media, um, and also it gets tightly coupled, but in a in a really um, how should I say expansive way to the the blockchain token, and um, that that's what makes this a new format because then you can start to use the technology as a new palette, right. To create, create new experiences. And that that's, what's going on. Right. Right. One of the things I've, I've often bewailed is the loss of the, of the DVD package. What you have created here is you've given me all of that and way more because you're giving the user, as you say, a really multimedia package now which actually covers not just video. Um, you're also you've also created this extensible platform, this platform that, as a content owner, I can continue to reward the people reward that, the, the, that are owners of this and incent them to maybe purchase yeah. more from me in the future, which is which is great. And and I don't uh, I, I don't think also to minimum uh, you know it's it's too much to say that the it's not too much to say that the interactive side of this is really pushing the boundaries of what people think of as really functional metaverse and I know that's a dirty word for many people because it's kind of flopped in so many ways but if it's embraced and done right like so many new waves of I think creative technology you can get something that's very exciting and fun um, and each of these movies has a mini interactive experience that, you know, it serves fast. Um, I, I know that because we spend lots of time, you know, making sure that those those things are published and, and served from the fabric in a way that allows for good responsiveness and accessibility. They have embedded hot points that are served and then they're built by different companies or different groups of people. And, and that also opens up the authoring so that you can start to, you know, have interactive experiences that are lighter weight to make, they're repeatable, and they become more of a creative endeavor than a than a heavy programming lift right, right. Um, and uh, I feel extremely excited about this um, just yesterday uh, we um, uh, joined in and, and presented at the Met, a metaverse standards forum which um, is I think a very interesting look at where the internet is going it used to be that we were dealing just in strictly like the IETF for protocol standardization now we're moving into a stage of the internet where experience is part of what people are thinking about in terms of the architecture and um, of course that's a very sort of technical kind of body but but this I think suggests to everybody out there that this to me is the state of the art of where the internet's going to go right yeah yeah absolutely well we could we could talk about this and the aspects uh, for a long time but there was one other thing i wanted to touch on um one of the interesting things about your implementation is it's not just the contracts that are stored on the chain on the blockchain it's the actual assets themselves and this has some really interesting ramifications from the point of view of efficiency uh we're all very concerned about greening as much as we can what we can um and of course people are very interested in saving money this is an offshoot of the way that you are handling the assets right um, absolutely. And um, I want to say something. Uh, this, this is where a certain amount of experience is allowed to talk. Um, I've been working in content over the internet uh, since I left grad school. And um, what I mean by that is that I, I do feel the weight of the way that it has been done. What I mean is that I know from years of helping people fast file transfer their media around that the old world 
of content storage and distribution and preparation is high, not only highly repetitive, it's very ignorant of the content itself. Mm-hmm. What I mean is that most of the processes have both in content distribution and the architectures for cloud stacks have been built for data and retrofitted to content. Um, and if you just think everybody gets this intuitively about video being most of the internet traffic and then all of the other related rich media content types, you all, everyone knows intuitively that we have many different experiences with the same content and its variations over the internet. The same streams end up getting shown in a million different places. Um, the same films and um, television episodes end up being reversioned in many different ways. We end up consuming them on many different devices. And where I'm going with this is that the entire chain of doing that um, previous to the fabric design has been about making files at different stages, separately processing them, mostly pre-making what it is you're going to consume, and then replicating that over and over again, each company doing their own storage replication and distribution replication and paying CDNs to cache all of it over and over and over and over again, right? And our point to the environment is that given how much of this we do as humanity is that we use an enormous amount of, uh, first of all, energy in doing this, full on electricity. And then we have all of the you know externalities in terms of resource usage to power all of this, both in terms of the actual raw compute bandwidth of storage and also the human time. Um, so here's why this all matters. If you really think about um, the way the internet is for uh, data at the IP layer, you could actually make it more native for content in how it operates at the application layer. And the content fabric protocol is just that. It allows content to be represented in the network um, through that pipeline of transformation, packaging, and distribution in a way that is not only content native and addressable as content, is also compositional. So you stop redoing the same work over and over again. You stop restoring, and I mean file transferring and storing variations of the same outputs over and over again. Instead, you think of your network as a content computer and you have an application layer protocol that can route and find the right base parts and be able to compose the output. And everything then is an edge with a very fast and high performant content native routing that sits underneath that. That's what the fabric protocol is and does. And the reason it matters to greenness is it sucks enormous amount of cost out of that pipeline from electricity and energy cost and then also actual dollars out of this. Um, I'm extremely proud of this because it's my contribution. I mean, I'm not going to get to work on that many technologies in my life. This is my contribution to the area that I can I can affect um, in terms of sustainability. Give us an idea of what those savings can be. Well, um, I mean, first on the dollar side, uh, if you do a one-for-one comparison with a cloud media transcoding stack and a CDN behind it, you're looking at, um, in the simplest case, one-fifth the cost as you scale up, and in the broader cases, getting on toward a one-one-hundredth the cost. And this is extremely important to digest because cloud costs are killing people. And then on top of that, even if you have a big event that you can afford to spend an arm and a leg under because it is so profitable, you would still like to have more agility 
And I, I think that's the other thing that Fabric does is it greatly simplifies these by taking out so many of those stages and the trouble of trying to do these dedicated services to force feed the video to common work. Um, lastly, is performance. It's really hard to get real-time performance out of the, uh, the cloud architectures because, again, they were built for data. There's many things you can say about this. Um, for one thing, the whole I.O. strategy is very poor for the way real-time media works and then other things as well. And it, it 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 puts up a situation that makes it a lot of friction to be able to get efficient and real-time experiences for consumers. That's a great way, I think, for us to finish our short conversation today, Michelle. This has been great. Thank you so much for clarifying all of that. And I can't wait to talk to you again because I know you've always got something interesting coming down the pipe. So we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Colin. It was great to be on the show. Thanks. Bye-bye. This podcast is the property of Endscreen Media. All rights reserved.